Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit's podcast, the Become Fire podcast with uh, just Father Anthony today, Father Pietrisa. Not with us today, Father. I know, a very, very sad day for us. Uh, he is enjoying some time up in Detroit, and uh, he's actually gone for a couple weeks. He's going to be on retreat, so we'll say a quick prayer for him as well. And uh, and then we'll uh, hopefully have him back for as we continue our Linton series on St. Francis. It, it's kind of fitting, given what we're going to speak about today, because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Franciscan poverty. And I'm feeling a little impoverished not having father with us. <laughs> that's a that's so so sentimental. I, w- I hope he listens to these and hears how much he's loved and cared for. I I wonder if part of the reason I say these things when he's not here is because I know he's not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just blame that he doesn't have a smartphone, so the lack of convenience to listen. I would I would never want him to know how I really feel about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're uh, we're taking our journey of Lent. With, with you all, with St. Francis. And um, so this is our third podcast of this uh, particular series. Um, and the first time, uh, w- the first podcast, we just kind of just talked about Francis and, and Franciscanism a little bit in general, started to give his his life story um, from the beginning. And then um, now we're just talking a little bit more specifically about some of the, uh, the main parts of the, the Franciscan charism Last week, talking about uh, metanoia or conversion, uh, continual conversion, and kind of what that looks like, and specifically how um, in Lent that's a very fitting thing. Uh, but now we're going to talk more about poverty in particular, uh, Franciscan poverty. Um, and I think that this has been, um, you know, not that this is what this podcast is going to be about, but this has been a, a kind of um, understood in different ways by different Franciscan communities and lived out in fris- different ways by uh, different Franciscan communities. But um, maybe just to start, because I know that um, you know our, our people they they like when we speak about our our, our own life a little bit. And um, if you can maybe just give an overview of you know the Franciscans, um, the first order Franciscans, and and maybe. Uh, us and just a little bit how we might live that poverty out and how, how they might live that poverty out. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and so Francis writes a rule. I'm going to go back to a story. I'm just mm-hmm. going to keep going back to it that um, he writes a rule of life. Um, it's called the, um, the, 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 for the minors, he calls them the Friars Minor, um, the Lesser Brothers. So he writes this rule of life. By the time he dies, over 10,000 men are following this way of life this first order rule that he writes, as we call it. He actually ends up writing three rules. One's for the first order Franciscans. One's for the poor clares, which we call the second order of the Franciscans. And then the third for the lay people, originally the third order Franciscans, um, from which we have our heritage as a community. Um, But in his first order rule, he writes a a famous line, but it's been debated by Franciscans for very long. It's called sine proprio, which which means without property. Um, And... It basically was, you're just not allowed to own anything. Like he didn't want the friars owning churches. He thought that they should be owned by the the diocese or by others. Um, He uh, basically stuff, he's like, if you got 
You know, too much stuff, give it to the poor. Sell it and give still give it to the poor. Like raise, raise get enough of it you need to live out your life. He did allow friars to own what they need for studies, especially those going for the priesthood. Um, but he's like, beyond what you need, uh, don't own anything. And more 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 concretely, like don't own property, don't own churches, don't own uh, immovable assets. Well, um, the history of the Franciscans developed, and um, that, that was beautiful when the order was small, but became very hard when you have 10,000 men following you and you have a, a big institutional order. And, and the, the church and bishops, bishops like, I'm not going to own all your stuff for you. Like, because it just became like this, well, we don't own this, you know, someone else does, but basically we're kind of like owning it. And so there's this huge debate and the Franciscans have split many times over how to live this part of the rule, which is sine propria, without property how do we actually live out this call to poverty um and that's a big first order debate but i don't have to deal with it because <laughs> we are third order franciscans um, praise the lord yeah and we come from the third order, which was really for lay people um and was a way that people who were living in their homes living with their families could live out the franciscan way of life it still exists in the secular franciscan order uh, which actually is an order of the church a lot of third um Third order groups or, 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 or lay groups like lay Carmelites aren't necessarily orders, but for the Franciscans, it is an order of the church, originally coming from the, the penitential movement. Um, and, and that eventually becomes, develops into religious life as well. Um, and, and so we have, uh, we live a poverty as well, but our, ours is not um, at the same witness to the world. So the witness to the world of the first order has to, is supposed to be poverty. It's supposed to be a witness to the world of, I don't need to own anything. I can live with, with, with nothing more than what I need and living in a, kind of almost an extreme poverty as a witness to the world. Our charism is to witness to the world metanoia, conversion of life. Um, now, we also have a vow of poverty, so it's called to live. In. And for us, it's, it's a simplicity um, where we try not to own more than what we need. And the things we do own, we try to have them be very, very simple. You know, trying not to have, have the nicest things, you know, or, you know, what car to cars we drive, et cetera. And it's still, it's a tension. I, I could say that there's like the ideals, but the practical reality comes and, uh, and how to live that out in, in America in the 21st century. Also realizing, I know the OFMs have had this problem. Like you get uh, somebody who joins a community in America and they're from a third world country. Um, well, for them, I mean, even a, a very poor life here is, is, is much richer than anything they had over in their, uh, where they, their country of origin for some of them. Whereas that would be an extreme poverty, you know, for some of the people coming from the United States. And so how do you, how do you balance that way of life and what does it look like for in the context of the USA today to live out this witness? And at the end of the day, I want to call it that we'll use that word witness, that we are called to live a witness to people. I mean, I don't own many clothes. I don't own many shoes. Um, I don't own my own car or my own house. Um, uh, you know, even the things that we have are all provided for us um, for the generosity of our benefactors. So it really is a, a poor life. And that's intentional, you know, that I, um, for the sake of, of trying to be a witness of, hey, I don't, my brothers make fun of me sometimes about my shoes. I remember one time I had these tennis shoes that all had holes in them and they were like, oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I can talk to be seen in public with you. Uh, <laughs> And in uh, this, you know, but this called uh, maybe that might have been, you know, I needed a new pair of shoes at the time. But at the same time, um, that we are called to have this very, very simple life where we're not living with more than what we need. And so I think, you know, to tra transition a little bit and, and we can go with uh, with the life of Francis a little bit more, too. But um, I think what 
is going to be, you know, helpful for, for our, our listeners and, and especially during this time of Lent is, is kind of getting to what the heart of poverty is yeah. and kind of what that, that actually, um, you know, the reason behind it for Francis, what inspired St. Francis to live a life of poverty, you know, with all of the, the things that he was doing in his life to, to follow the Lord. And, and there are many, again, there's many different um, parts of the charism that we can talk about, but what is it about poverty that attracted Francis so much? And, and why did he find that so important in his own uh, walk with the Lord and spiritual life? And he's extreme. We just have to get that. Like he is extreme. Yeah. Um, and I think that, and that was of God. You know, that he is called to be a witness to the world. Every time, Father Petrus and I joke about this, but every time you feel like you have a grasp about Francis, and you feel like you understand him a little bit more, you realize that he's just like, it's almost like sand going through your hand. Yeah. Like It's just what this man was and what he was called to, and the gifts and charism that God gave him for the church, it just, it continues to inspire me. But that being said, his first follower, Bernard, we talked about this last time, he, uh, He's a rich young man, just like Francis was. And he's like, I want to follow you. He's like, then sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And literally Bernard, who's rich, like takes all of his money, everything he has, sells it all and gives, like starts throwing everything away. You know, all of his clothes, all of his stuff has literally nothing left. Francis puts a poor cloak on him and they start going and, and, and begging and serving the poor. Yeah. That, that to enter into this life, Francis was basically, like, he had to be stripped of everything. Um, that there's, you don't take anything with you when you go from this life to the next. And I think if you ask what the essence is, you don't take anything with you when you die. Nothing. You're, you're stripped of everything. All the, all the money you've collected, all the houses you have, all the cars you have, all the, the, the treasures that you hold and possess, those, those trinkets in your room that you, it's hard when you move, you have, you have to pile them in a box because you can't get rid of them because they have a great sentiments and emotional meaning. Um, at the end of the day, none of it goes with you. And Francis was trying to teach that to his brothers, that when they came into this religious life, it was as if it was a, a second baptism. And that's what we believe about the vows. They're a second baptism, um, a renewal, not a second baptism, don't take, that, don't take that literally, but a renewal of your baptism. That's why we, a part of us is that we change names, just like you take a baptismal name or you have your name, which you're baptized into. For religious, we take a religious name as a sign of our new consecration, that we're trying to live out our baptism in a new way. Well, um, for, and, and we know in baptism, you enter into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So for Francis, when you're coming into vows, you're coming into religious life, you're entering into that death and resurrection. And so just as um, when you're born, right, you're coming in with nothing. Just as when you die, you're leaving with nothing. So when you enter into religious life, you're taking nothing with you. So leave it all behind. Yeah. Um, and, and so to the, I think the core of Francis is a memento mori. Remember, remember your death. Remember, you're not going to take anything with you. And all the stuff you have, it really belongs to God. He might give you some stuff to use, but at the end of the day, it all belongs to him. And so it's for his use and for his purpose. And so I think that's the one of the lessons, talking about how to do Lent well. And I always want to go back there. We're not just telling stories about St. Francis. About how can we here today, the people listening, ourselves included, um, have a better Lent this year? Mm-hmm. And I think that that constant reflection and reminder of I'm not taking anything with me. And so God, like, what do you want me to do with the stuff I have? And again, having those nice sentimental things are nice. It doesn't, the church has always said, it's not, you know, that, that it's, money's not going to stand in the way of you going to heaven. It's the love of money that's going to stand in the way of going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so this is the heart of where we are. Like, do you, is, is there a love of money there? 
Is there are there are you holding on to something? Is that there are very there are poor people who have a, a love of money. Yeah. There are rich people who don't have a love of money. Right. So um, we've got to get into the entrance of this understanding of poverty that I'm really really poor and not just physically poor, but everything I have. The only thing I can claim that's my own is my sin. That's the only thing I can say is mine and didn't come from God. It's mine and I can claim it as my own because I did it. And Francis realized that. And for him, this profound reflection of how great God was and how small he was and how poor he was in comparison to God and how little he had and how even the stuff that he thought is his good virtue, his good works, his good deeds, at the end of the day, it was all because of the grace of God that helped him and inspired him to do these things. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, a, a word that, you know, we've probably heard before that that, that could be helpful with this too is, is detachment. Yeah. Just having a... a, a like you're saying, you know, it's not it's not so much whether you have things or, or what things you might have, but it's it's what level of attachment or detachment you have with those things. Because um, you know, the the Lord would never ask a married couple to give everything away and and you know not have anything to provide for their children. But at the same time, you know, maybe even going deeper with that, um, to be detached not only from maybe certain physical objects, but also something like like, oh no, how am I going to pay the next mortgage, right? Like like that, like at a deeper level, you know, really letting go of, of situations or, or control or whatever it might be um, so that we have more capacity in our hearts to receive the Lord, to receive his love, to be led by him, to trust in his provision and to, like you're saying, to remember that one day all of this is going to pass away and that, you know, if we, if we live this thing right for the Lord that, that we're going to have everything we could ever want with, with the Lord in heaven. Um, but there's, there's some events. So how do we do this? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the question. Yeah. You know, how do we do this? And I'm going to throw it at you first. <laughs> you know, that that we have this, uh, this desire, this ideal. I think hopefully people listening to us like, yes, that's what I want. It's what I desire. Yeah. But how do I get there? And I, how does St. Francis show me how to get there? You just flipped the mic on me. I did. Well, because wow. I'm Father Peter Teresa, so I have to throw it at you. I know. Father Peter Teresa is not here, so I'm I'm sitting in his chair. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> um, uh, I think I think that this is uh, a very and there's so many different levels of it, but I think that at the at the core of it, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think it ties back into what we talked about last week with this process of continual conversion. Because I think at, 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 at any level, um, whether we're talking about uh, physical things that, that we have, you know, money, houses, cars, even food, um, things that, that we need and things that we want, there's always going to be more room to become more detached from something. And so I think, uh, I think a lot of this has to do with... Um, Allowing the Lord to, to come into those places in our hearts where we notice that we have some kind of inordinate attachment to something. Uh, and again, that could be, um, that could be something that, that we need, like money, to survive and to uh, you know, provide for our families. Or it can be in certain relationships. Yeah. It can be, uh, I have an attachment to this person and it's, it's, it's not healthy. Um, Anything that could possibly draw our hearts and our energies away from living for God and the gospel 
And I think a lot of it, sometimes we might not even recognize it. So we have to be able to um, just approach the Lord and ask him to, to show us, Lord, where, where are these attachments? Where are these things? Um, even like uh, a need for affirmation or, um, you know, a need to feel uh, secure in certain relationships. Again, you know, anything like that, that can draw us away from fully surrendering and becoming dependent only on God and his provision. So I think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of time um, just trusting in the Lord. And then if the Lord allows us to go through something where we're almost put in a position where we're forced to kind of let go of something, um, I think oftentimes the Lord can test us in this way, um, that if we've always been financially stable and the next thing you know, something happens, right? Well, do I trust the Lord enough to know that he can provide for me? Or am I so attached to the financial thing or the material thing that I've taken comfort in for so long that I actually am seeing that the whole time? Maybe I wasn't trusting in the Lord. Maybe I was just trusting in what I was able to earn or, or to do. Um, so I think it's it's a process of really giving over a lot of these things to the Lord and letting him kind of work. Yeah, so I think beautifully put. And I think, I mean, that's something I think really for all of us to pray through is that relationship one in particular. Because mm. we often think about poverty and we think about stuff. Yeah. Right, I've got too much stuff, I have too little stuff. But oftentimes those aren't the things we're most attached to. The things we're most attached to can be relationships and can be the opinions of others, um, especially in society today. Um, you know, where, where we're relying on other people's affirmation, other people's, uh, how they think of us, um, our own, um, need to be needed, uh, or other such things. And these attachments, um, can hinder us from a deep relationship with God because a place that God wants to enter into our hearts, we've, we've closed off to God in a sense. Um, So because we, we, we all we're, we're trying to fill it up with the, affirmations of others in a place he wants to affirm us. So um, what was the inspiration? And I'm trying to, you know, maybe just, just in his life, there's a lot of things that I I know, you know, Francis had all of these beautiful encounters with the Lord um, that really kind of pushed him forward into being convicted to live a certain way. But what was the inspiration for Francis to live poverty? Or who was the inspiration, I should say? Well, obviously Jesus. <laughs> um, and we're going to, I think we should go to the, mo- the most, if you want to talk about poverty, you want to talk about how St. Francis understand poverty, you got to go to Greccio. Um, so just because we're on a historical timeline. Um, so Francis founds an order. Um, he starts evangelizing. Uh, he's preaching, living poverty. Men are going, going, joining him. He writes a rule. Um, he goes to the, the, before the Sultan in Egypt and preaches the mm-hmm. gospel uh, famously, talks about how he's willing to walk through fire for the Sultan to convert to Christ. Um, and the Sultan is like, well, no, even if you walk through fire unharmed, I just couldn't convert to, to Christianity. <laughs> but still, it's so inspired by Francis. Tries to give them all these gifts and Francis accepts, you know, won't accept anything uh, except like a, uh, like a call to prayer horn. But uh, uh, the he... Uh, it comes back, and, and, and this is the one, uh, just to understand who his inspiration is. It's, it's Jesus Christ, and, and particularly the incarnation, yeah. the birth of Jesus. He often talks about the humility of the incarnation. It's something we're told he meditates upon constantly, the humility of the incarnation, the charity of the passion. That, that for him, to think about who God is. So like, 
the church fathers um, and the great, the doctors of the church would tell us, we know more about God by thinking about the opposite of God than we do about the positive about God. Hmm. Um, and you might, you might scratch your head a little bit. Um, but when I think of God as being all powerful, it's so hard for me to comprehend what that really means that actually I get a better understanding by thinking about what the complete opposite of all powerful is and thinking about um, complete weakness and think about God as the complete opposite of that thing. Um, because it's, it's so incomprehensible to our brains to understand how big that word means, all powerful. You know, and that's just one example of, of even love um, that we don't fully, we can't fully grasp. And so uh, for Francis to, to think about how big, how, how all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-everything God is, and to think about how complete, how, how far from that we are in so many ways, being his creatures, being um, in our poverty, in our, in our weaknesses. Um, and, and, and yet, that God would leave that, would leave heaven to come down to earth, would enter into his own creation. Um, that think about the greatest thing you've ever created, right? Maybe it was a painting. Um, maybe it was like uh, you work with metal or wood. Now think about becoming that thing. Right, that was an inanimate object. That's the best we, you know, we can do. I created a, a picture, and I'm not even a very good drawer, right? And so, if I think about the best drawing I've ever done, and like becoming that, like then I'm just, you know, a drawing that from now on. And, and just, just to help, and you, just to help think about how big the leap is, in a sense, for God to become a man, yeah, to enter into the stuff that He created, which is the highest, you know, of all his, all of creation, um, especially Mary. You know, but but at the same time, that's still creation. It's still yeah. things he created, um, and, and so he he enters into the stuff he created, which is beautiful. I mean, he's created us with with intelligence, with, with in his image and likeness. But at the same time, it's still a huge gap. Yeah. Um, and, and all that to say that Francis meditates upon this. Why? Because it shows um, the poverty of God. And in that, he's not born in a rich palace. He's not born as a rich king. He enters into a stable. He, he's born with the animals. Mm. He enters into um, the the uh, uh, the poor, you know, an ever virgin, a perfect woman's womb, but at the same time, uh, into a womb. He, he, the son of a carpenter. Um, he's, he has to run for his life. He, in fact, he can't even feed himself. He makes himself dependent upon his mother and his yeah. father for protection, for love, for for food. And they have to flee to Egypt to protect his life. And it's just the, the fact that God would do this, would, would actually put himself into the hands of his creatures mm. for his very life, for his very sustenance, for his very protection. Uh, um, uh, it's, 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 it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, incre- it's so amazing. And, and Francis, for Francis, this was um, fruit. I mean, that right there, that's many holy hours. If you're looking for what to pray through, yeah. that right there. Thinking through the, what God has done in the incarnation is many, many holy hours. But in that, all that, um, <clears throat> to say that, that Francis loves um, the, the nativity. And so in Greccio, um, only a couple of years before he passes, he makes a nativity scene f- during mass. He builds this nativity and actually um, puts, brings animals in, uh, puts, puts a, a, a manger with straw. And during the mass while he's preaching, the Christ child appears in the manger. And Francis picks him up during the homily and holds the Christ child. 
and uh, nobody who's there sees it. This is the straw that was in that. Like they use it to to put it on 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 women's bellies who are yeah. pregnant to, for for safe delivery, um, who are having issues. Uh, they give it to animals who are sick, and this animals recover. Like this hay was like a miraculous hay after mm. that. Um, all that to point towards the great poverty of God. And if Francis just fell in love with the great humility and poverty of God, especially manifest in Christ. You know that though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to grasp at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. And there's um, there's something so beautiful about the way that the Lord came to us and, and just it really just shows us how close he wants to be to us. And I think that, um, you know, I, I've often thought about, you know, the, it's the humility of the incarnation and the charity of the cross, but you can very easily flip those. You know, you can very easily see the poverty of Jesus crucified as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really just throughout his whole life um, that Jesus was was living um, in poverty in so many different ways, not just materially, right? But um, even up to the, the his dying breath, you know, left and abandoned by his, his closest friends. Um, and that he embraced all of this in order to accomplish the will of the Father. Um, and I think that this goes back to, you know, what we were talking about before that, that poverty is meant to free us so that we can say yes to God in every moment. Um, and this is something that St. Francis really was able to do throughout his life, all the way up to the point where, you know, we'll, and we'll talk about this when we talk about prayer, but where he receives the stigmata and it just shows that he's been perfectly conformed to that poor, uh, humble, charitable Christ, the one who has been incarnate and the one who's been crucified. Yeah, and it took suffering to get there. Yeah. Not just that physical suffering, but if we look back at the life of St. Francis, that that he was, even his own brothers kind of turn against him because they don't want to live the extreme poverty he's living. Um, you know, the the church, you know, he's got to write these rules and he writes a rule initially and the church is like, uh, no, that's not going to work. You know, it's too extreme. Mm-hmm. And he's got to revise the rule um, that he's physically suffering. He's got um, eye problems um, yeah. and the doctor's trying to heal him and, and, and they, 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 they take hot pokers and like drag him across his face trying to heal the, the pain from his eyes. It's like, okay, it doesn't sound great. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's medicine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different day and age. <clears throat> so um, that, that all this, why? Why is this so important? And I, I want to put this out as, as a, we'll talk about it some more, but that suffering God can use yeah. if he united to his suffering. And that God used all these sufferings to make Francis recognize his poverty, to strip him of any self-attachment, any earthly, fleshly desires, any pride, anything that he was holding on to that prevented him from just being totally stripped. Yeah. Not just physically stripped, which he'd done. He did the exterior, but that's the, that's the easy part. As hard as that might be for some of us, getting... Externally stripped is the easy part. Mm. It's the internal stripping, yeah. the internal purification, the internal poverty that God wants to work on in our hearts to literally strip us of everything so that we're completely reliant on him for everything. Mm. Completely recognizing that we're dependent on everything, the job we have, the money we have in the bank account, the house we have, the physical stuff, but even the the, the emotional stuff, you know, the the, the love, the joy, um, the, the, the virtue, um, the spiritual things, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit being in us through our baptism. These are all gifts of God. 
It's all God at work. And he wants to strip us of everything that tries to rely on our own selves or on others that are not him to fill up these places that ultimately he wants to fill up because of our recognition of total need and dependence upon him. Yeah. There's an irony to uh, the fact that sometimes the more you're able to live out this poverty, especially interiorly, that, you know, for someone like St. Francis, the more he embraced this, the more suffering he endured. Yeah. And sometimes you would think that like, well, no, it would be the other way, right? Because you're, you're free, but, but it's, it's like you're free to suffer. Yeah. It's like you're free to be united to Jesus in that way. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a, a third order Franciscan St. Um, Angela Foligno. And the Lord said to her, if you, if you make yourself a capacity, I will make myself a torrent. <laughs> and it's just like beautiful. That's that's what that's what Francis did. Yeah. He let go of everything and he he made himself just totally open to God and the Lord just took over. Yeah. And I don't want to encourage us <laughs> practically, you know, getting back to our practical. So yeah. St. Fran we talked last week about if you didn't listen, but letting go of things. Yeah. Like going through the the physical things. Like going through the closet, you know, going through the garage, going through the attic, what stuff that you know I need to just let go of. Or, and a good sign is, oh boy, I yeah, don't think yeah, I want to yeah. get that. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we talked about that because that's, it, the external is important. Yeah. And we talked about that last week. But obviously we've been focused on the internal this week. Um, and that was a part of conversion, the conversion of life. And now for poverty's sake. Um, I want to encourage people to, to think through and take time to think through the relationships in their lives. And really ask yourselves, um, where are there maybe undue attachments to a particular person in my life? Or where there are potential attack, attachments to, um, to some kind of um, thing, i.e., like the the joy, uh, the, like the 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 pride of my job, yeah. which can be a good thing, you know, that you have work, etc. But am I using that to, as we say, get juice, you know, or whatever, the, to, to to feel good about myself, to to um, to, to fill in a place in my heart? That God wants to fill in. Not that that's not a bad thing. It's not to, to, not bad to feel good about your work, to feel good about what you're accomplishing. Those are really good things. I'm not trying to diminish them. But what we talked about last week, just like owning things, isn't necessarily sinful, but it can be if you're unduly attached. Yeah. That relationships are great; they're important, but you can be unduly attached. It doesn't matter if you have to cut off your relationship. It doesn't mean you have to cut off the undue attachments. Yeah. Uh, and ask God to enter in and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm attached to my work. I'm attached to this person, this friendship, et cetera, in such a way that I'm using it and relying on it to fill in a place that God wants to fill in. Mm-hmm. And ask God to show you those that it might be there and then to hand them over and ask him to strip you in any ways to, so you re- understand your poverty and your total dependence on him. Amen. So we ask the Lord to, to help us to live this out and to, to receive these graces, this Lent. Father Anthony, Yes, sir. I have a, a question for you. Is it you. that time it's already? It's that time. Wow. It's, it's, Here we are. So uh, if you, myself, and Father Peter Teresa were superheroes. Ooh, okay. Superhero movies are big right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. What superheroes would we be and why? That's, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I want to I do this right. At the same time, I recognize that I don't have a lot of time. Uh-huh. So um, I think um, that... Um, you would be Hawkeye. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about these, so please uh, feel free to to correct me. That's what but, makes it fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I just sense, like Hawkeye, um, 
uh, in the one movie, he's got like he's got this like a marriage, like he's got a wife and like kids. He's like protected on the side. I'm not married though. I know, I know, I know, no, no, no. <laughs> follow me, just keep with me, keep with me. But he's like actually like even though he's like like uh, this awesome superhero who like can shoot great arrows and like he's like doesn't let people mess with him. It's kind of a ba as they would say. At the same time, like, he's got this beautiful heart. Mm. Like it's beautiful. Like I have this like family life that oh, actually wow. like when my family gets taken from me, like I go a little crazy. Um, uh, not that you'd go crazy, but just like you're, you're a man of relationship hmm. and you're, 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 but you're also like, you, you put on the, like, you're strong, you're intelligent, you're like put on like a good, good vibe out there. But at the end of the day, you're a man whose, whose heart is, is after, you know, those, those, that, those beautiful, beautiful relationships. Wow. Um, uh, so just because he's not here, I'm not going to, this is my final <laughs> answer, but I want him to be, who's the girl who, uh, uh Black, Black Widow. Widow, just cause you guys are like partners in crime over here. <laughs> Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I uh, hope you got a good laugh. But who would he be? Um, so I got to get a my myself. I'm going to be Batman, mm. um, just because he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but honestly, like um, being the community servant, yeah. you know, kind of just you know, Batman's he's smart. He's you know a philanthropist. Yeah. Uh, he's um, you know, but it's, <laughs> he is. Uh, he's uh, yeah, uh, you know, just just very successful at the same time. Like he's like he doesn't let his success like be the, what dominates his life. At the same time, he's like all about like justice and like yeah. fighting crime and like like helping those who are who are in need. Yeah, like I don't know. I just kind of am inspired by that. Whether or not I'm like it, I'm inspired by it. That's for sure. Um, Father Peter Teresa, um, I don't know Captain America. Okay. Um, you know that's uh, I know that's who he kind of strives for. Uh, and I think he's just got a lot of cap quality. He's virtuous. He's a virtuous guy. Mm. Um, he's just just living that virtue, um, like taking taking charge. You know, when he needs to be take charge. Um, you know, at the same time, like recognizing other people's gifts and talents and letting those shine when they need to shine. Recognize his own limitations. You know, and then but then you know, a little, little tension with Tony Stark there here and there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess the next question next week is going to be who's Tony Stark? Oh boy. But, uh, Looking at you, Father Athanasius. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we can uh, we can end in a prayer uh, and just ask the Lord to, to help us with, with all that we've spoken about. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you. We give you glory and praise for uh, this time of Lent, Lord, for the holiness of this season. We ask that uh, through the intercession of St. Francis of Assisi, that we might embrace uh, in, in every way that you're calling us to uh, true poverty, poverty of, of spirit, and any attachments that we might have, Lord, that are not pleasing to you, that you give us the grace to respond by detaching through your grace and through your mercy. We ask you, Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Sorrows, to be with us also. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www. Dot become fire dot faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.